0: Welcome to episode 209 of the Piper's Dojo Audio Experience. Today we're going to listen to another piece of the tuning workshop, probably the final piece that I'm going to share with the world. Um, The rest of the pieces are for the people who are there, of course, but uh, um, this piece is... It comes right after the maintenance section, and it's when we start to talk about tonal production on the bagpipe, one of the lost topics that so few people ever really dig and drill down into um, in regards to how to get a great sound. And it's really the thing that you have to do before you start to obsess about tuning, because if you don't, you end up with an instrument that may or may not be in tune, but it doesn't sound any good. And so we get into uh, the depths of exactly what blowing good tone really means. And I think it's a good listen. I will warn you in advance, um, when we actually play the bagpipes, the sound is a little bit distorted. I had to turn up the gain of the microphone to get the, um, the spoken voice to come through. So, um, but you can still hear the bagpipes and it's not really about the pristine recording quality of the bagpipes in this case. It's more about the content, so. On that note, I hope you enjoy this, and here's uh, your last little sneak peek into what we covered at the Tuning Clinic uh, back a few weeks ago in October. So enjoy, and we'll see you again soon. And then the the premise is, this is gonna show me visually what the pressure looks like inside the bed. Still, mm-hmm. although you could see like I probably had a deviation of maybe a, you know uh, maybe a half an inch total like deviation, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that I think that's a, a, a pretty good. Uh, I think that's a pretty good. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty good sort of standard deviation to shoot for. Anything outside of that, right? And. And the uh, you know you could say the blowing would be unsteady. Let me give you some examples. <clears throat> We see, like, I just did the classic overblow on high A thing. You can see the water kind of shoot up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what happens after you have a surge, especially when you're looking at the manometer, is you try to compensate so the water goes back down again, and then it takes a while to restabilize again. And then maybe when you get to a B, maybe it underblows again, right? So. Is that green
1: line uh, an optimum? uh, Not necessarily. These are
0: available to me if I want to mark. The optimal pressure for my bagpipe right which I do but the, uh, for the moment they don't necessarily mean anything okay they're just there but yeah then,
1: once, just once you find the sweet spot water. then you can put it there what's that i said once you find your sweet spot then you'll put it there that's right yeah. so for example
0: uh-huh. so uh, down to the nitty-gritty i want to blow as hard as i can on this chanter read without unwanted sounds occurring this is a pretty sensitive read It's purposely quite on the easy side so that I can play for 90 minutes without stopping and it's not a big deal, right? Um, So it's quite on the easy side. Uh, But therefore, it'll be quite sensitive. If I blow too hard, it'll start to sound nasty. grace notes on low G. That tends to be the most sensitive thing you you can do, right? Um, And so sure enough, like it sounded fine and then just a tiny bit more pressure and it started to get to hear that gurgly, chirpy, nasty sound. Okay, that's the line, right? So that's the line where it goes from sounding good to unwanted sounds. So who was making funny faces when I said we wanted to do the maximum? You're making funny faces, right? Yeah. Obviously we can't blow infinitely hard because there's that line where we cross over to not sounding pleasant anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? So let's mark where that is. here. And and remember we talked about gradual increases with the calibration? It's the same thing here. We want to gradually make changes and explore this zone. But now, if I could blow steadily at this spot, in theory, it's going to give me the best uh, tonal quality out of my chanter that I can get. Right? So, for example, I'll try. <coughs> little disturbances in the force there at that pressure, like uh, my Terlouith from B was a little distorted, crunchy sounding. I, I felt it. So, you know, so resultantly I would move this down a little bit, but that's the name of the game, right? So that's the spot I want to hit. Notice that my bagpipe still operates below this line, but notice how the tonal quality will not be as good when I do. Ready? See it doesn't sound as good? It sounds kind of dull and lame. Can everybody hear that?
2: Okay. What's that? Tab effect.
0: fake. You know the difference between the two? When I started? If you can't. Your death. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but it's it's richer, more full at the higher pressure. It's uh, it's dull and thin at e- even you know an inch
2: and a half and below. Harder to hear with that, Chan, because it's a very easy read. It's case. also
0: a synthetic bag, so we will disguise it slightly, uh, but that's the name of the game. And of course, down here we start to choke a little bit, and the volume decreases, and the response is less. If you can't hear it. You're just going to have to take my word for it until you start to hear it, but it's a big difference. Um, and it'll especially be a big difference when you try to tune. Because trying to tune down here where everything is like thin and shrill and unstable, much more difficult than trying to tune when things are sweet uh, right where they need to be. Got it? What's um, the significance of the, uh, the red marker? Don't um, it it's or? just a marker. No, it's just a marker. <clears throat> Uh, you could use it for anything you want. For example, if this is my sweet spot, you could do something like this. Move this down a quarter of an inch, and then move this down. So, like, there's my acceptable deviation, right? Keep it And I could try and keep it in the middle, exact middle of these two, and then never let the water go outside of that. You know, like, you could do like, it's just a. Mar- it's just an extra marker. You really only need one, which is, you know, the sweet spot.
1: How often are you actually using that?
0: The manometer? Mm-hmm. Me? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is something like this is something that I wish I had had when I was learning, uh, I, but I did not. So I learned, I learned the fundamentals of tonal quality by feel across 25 years, and arguably I'm still like learning, you know, learning to master it better and better. Uh, the manometer is great because if you practice. You can cut that down from 20 years, of, uh, 20 years of playing pipes all the time, right? It's been a huge part of my life. It's like something I basically um, I train constantly across 20 years or something, right? Uh, if I had the manometer, I might have been able to master this in three or four instead of 20. I, I believe that. It's just a great tool. The problem with the gauge, it's not that it's bad, but can you see how it, it's not visually giving you the same cues? on the gauge, as you get on the tube. I got the same bounce up and down. And What's that? Well, yeah, because mine's a 360, and I remember, you know, it's such a small amount. It, Good, who wants to come give this a try? Come on. I'll see if how it is. Um, um, great uh, uh, it's not, I, this isn't so much to prove that, to prove that the tube is better, but go ahead. I want you to uh, blow this steadily at the sweet spot, so like, I forget, did I move the green line down? Yeah, yes, like, so <laughs> so like, so hit this spot. Uh, for now, for now, just play low A. It might be a little uncomfortable and it's gonna probably be surprising. I'm sometimes I get ahead of myself but we're going we're trying to blow at the green line right yeah. so like so like just this time I want you to blow up hit this pressure and don't go outside of like half an inch either way just in case like I just want to make sure I explain it clearly. it's a little bit hard it's harder to get spot. <laughs> What's that? It's interesting, right? I mean, that's best spot. I, here, I'll tell you what. Uh, some people were like, giving me a funny look, like, you know, I can't really hear the difference between this line and a little bit below. So instead, uh, let's put this red line where the green line is. So let's just go lower. Just blow it steady there instead. Maybe a do get grilled by me in front of everyone so uh, so good job so uh, can you hear can you hear when he's not managing to blow steadily can you hear it you can hear it right no. like that's why we do this by the way is if it's unsteady we hear it and then if we're steady yeah it definitely german- germanitizes it a lot more i mean the cage moves but right it doesn't, exactly. it doesn't look but, like you're moving that yeah. much the gauge is convenient but i don't feel like it teaches as well as this mm-hmm. does um, here, so let me take these back. Let's, let's uh, make sure that it's actually possible to do, right, put myself on the spot. So the red line is the optimal line, right? I wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't always perfect. You'll notice that uh, for a pr- fairly prolonged period there, the water was a little bit above the line. Did everybody notice that? Mm-hmm. What did I not do though? Didn't
3: overreact.
0: Right. I didn't qu- I didn't try to suddenly react and bring it down because then what's going to happen? It starts bumps <whistles> and, and then, then it's going to take a then dive. And then you're going awesome. to have to adjust again. And so like, so yeah. And a lot of people say, like, okay, Andrew, so the red line is the sweet spot. Then what we really want to do is, like, blow consistently, just a little bit below that line so we don't squeak. But that's not really it. You could go above the line, right? It's probably not going to be catastrophic. If you go a lot above the line, it will be. But a little bit like where I was, it's not going to be catastrophic. I might have a little gurgly sound or something. Uh, But the the objective is no sudden movements, steady blowing. At the line. If you put a, a hard read, chanted read in, would you have to change the a lot? What do you think? <clears throat> I think, yeah, yeah it's a lot. harder. Right, absolutely. As a matter of fact, this is probably the lowest line we'll see today because my read is very, very easy relative to yours, probably, right? Yes, yes. It's designed that way. Look, that's why I was shocked. <laughs> An easier read isn't necessarily better because how much, how hard was that to control the steadiness of? Well, see, so you're up near my max there, so it's... Yeah, but like the easier to read is, my point is, easier uh, it's less things. stable and it's harder to control. So that's the down, and so like for me, I have a really good level of control so I can get away with quite an easy bagpipe. Anyway, that's where I am, right? And then the mental blowing, right? Once I've studied that out on low A, the mental blowing is the next step that of things that we want to kind of look out for, right? Like. Um, Yeah, and someone want to come up and give that a try? It's gone, right? Greg, come give this a try. So the first thing you want to do in all cases is steady it out on low A. So Greg, fire up, play low A, see if you can sort of get it steadied out at this line. And then once you do, go into a fairly simple tune and see if the blowing suffers as a result of moving our fingers. What's happening here? He gets it up to the line, and then what causes it to dip like that?
1: Um, It's something mechanically. Yeah. What is it? The... um, I'm not... Ouch. The... um, You alright? right? a little sore. That's okay.
0: That's why you got the pad in there, right? (laughs) Well,
1: that's a different thing. But anyway, um, when I blow into the bag, no, when I release my arm, it's too much. Good. So what should you do? I should blow the nope. my arm nope. out.
0: Right. Don't release the arm. Um, a, a good uh, trick for that is to like put a magazine under your arm, in between the bag as you're playing. You could like put a magazine there. So you don't, A nice those heavy, a nice heavy, slippery one. Right. Mm-hmm. And and uh, make sure the bag if the bag cover is sticky, it'll make it not work. But then yeah, a nice uh, heavy, slippery magazine, and then it should never fall out because. You should never fully release your arm from the back. It should always be a little bit engaged, and then that's your moderator to help keep it from dropping like that. Let's see if we can. Yeah, try again. Yeah. You have to get kind of up close and personal, or else it'll pull. Yeah. Feel size wise?
1: Um, It's bigger than mine, I think.
0: Is it comfortable? Mm -hmm. Because that's the Willie McCallum style. So if you don't like that, that means, because you were asking about that, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you don't like that, then don't get it.
1: Yeah, well, I'm used to that one. That one seems smaller to me Hmm. in in diameter.
0: Yeah. Um, Anyway, it is harder than it looks, right? Yeah. Can everybody understand how that's uh, going back to our flip chart? That's phase one, right? Can, you, can people hear when he's not blowing steadily there? You can hear it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not we're not mm-hmm. making stuff up just to find stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, you can hear it, number one. Number two is we haven't even gotten to playing tunes yet. And then could you imagine how uh, not hitting a sweet spot, not blowing steadily, not getting the water steady? Can you imagine how that would affect your tuning? Would that make it? Easier, harder, or impossible to tune? Well, it makes it way harder, and it makes it—it it certainly would make it impossible to perfectly tune your pipes, because because you you don't know what pressure you're at because it's not controlled. See what I mean? <laughs> you say you would you if you'd known all this before, you never would have ta- yeah, taken I'm up the right. pipes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So, so like, we, we get this hanged. a lot when we're tuning
3: because. You know, you'll be trying to tune somebody's drones and their pitches.
0: Absolutely. All over the place. It's it's so so ironic. All
3: right, I'm trying to hit the middle of that, you know?
0: (laughs) How much time, give me a ratio for people who are in pipe bands. How much time does your pipe band spend on tuning compared to the amount of time that they spend on developing good tonal quality habits? What's the ratio? 100 to 1?
1: Pretty much. Oh yeah. A
0: thousand I mean, to one. Yeah, like think about how <laughs> the Conceptually,
1: of, people want the, to the do. The assumption this. is all these but one through seven is taken care of. That's the assumption. That's a yeah.
0: very, very, very bad assumption.
1: I, that's what I'm saying. But I think As that's a band. A, the only thing they really do is
0: make sure the pipe channels are all in tune with each other. Yeah. But they're. And but are they, they walk, getting then them into tune? Two walks around behind and checks the drones, but that's. But it. do they ever get to the? And then name. The, how many times can you count? How many hands do you need to count the number of times your band has just gotten it totally locked in tune perfectly best thing you've ever heard? Never happens. Never happens. It happens in the very top bands. Like when you listen to Field Marshal Montgomery win the worlds, they, they are immaculately tuned. But guess what? It's only partially about their, their ears and their ability to tune good, right? A grammatical mistake for effect. Yep. there. Um, it's only partially about their ability to tune good. It's, what it's really about is this. They've got 25 masters of this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's what it's really about.
2: And like two or three masters of the actual tuning. Part.
0: And then two or three masters of the tuning part because tuning is, tuning is uh, the target 200 yards away. So you have to be a master of this for a long time in order to really master this. The mystery stuff. Does that make sense though? Like it's so ironic, and like from the perspective of me, and and it really like, I sort of knew it, but then when we started to run bands, right? We ran a grade one band for you know seven or eight years, and then and then we also, you know, I uh, we also taught like the Scotia Glenville Kids band, and we taught a lot of bands. Teach a lot of workshops. And it's like the irony is overwhelming. For lack like, of, I'm not sure irony is the right word. But yeah, the amount of time we spend trying to tune is 100 to 1, probably, uh, relative to the amount of time that we spend trying to develop these skills.
2: I mean, I think 100 to 1, if you're using the term develop those skills very loosely in the sense that you're like telling people to blow steadily yeah. without ever actually discussing what the steps of blowing steadily are Right. that sort of thing, I mean, which, is or, really, which is really those three steps right there.
0: Yeah. That's blowing. <laughs> yeah, I think for beginning and intermediate bands, I think it's fair uh, to assume one, two, three, and four, right? Once you've taught them how to do that, that should absolutely be something that, you know, that you can assume. But you can never assume this uh, until, you know, it takes a long time to learn those skills, and those are the things that, you know, people should be uh, focused on and working on, uh, really.
2: You find, I find, like, the biggest, or at least I speculate, the biggest uh, miscalculation that people make with physical blowing is what to do with their arm. I find almost always people That's right. don't really understand that you actually have to squeeze quite a bit Constantly. all the time. Yeah, Like, your yeah. arm, like, it, most people, when you start to teach them this and you really tell them, like, you're not... Squeezing enough. enough not, not squeezing enough. Good you know, job, Rick. Time wise or pressure wise. You're not creating enough pressure. You're not generating enough pressure with your arm. Most of the pressure should come from your arm. All, yeah. all of the time. That's right. And most people don't gather that. And that's why most people, even if you move the line down, they still have trouble hitting the line because they're shooting for the line with their
0: mouth open. They're yeah. going only. It's true. Just have a look at my arm as I play, right? Just have, Just observe. What do you see? Bye. <laughs> to the line, whatever. What, did you, what were your observations of my squeezing arm?
1: It was uh, going in and out, maybe not too much. really. But not because he was
2: moving his arm. Right. Because the bag was, because the physical reality underneath his arm was changing. Um, but his arm was never, he wasn't actually lifting or dropping his arm ever. He was actually squeezing the entire time. And as the bag filled there, naturally, unless you're really squeezing the hell out of it, it's gonna push gonna your go because yeah. there's, there's a you know there's a reservoir of air that's pushing your arm out. But your arm is always completely that's engaged, right. and at, at the end of a long band practice, usually it's completely exhausted
0: as well. Um, I I sometimes draw a little diagram if I can find my pen. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes draw a little diagram about the blowing and squeezing process, right? And I might call it a crossfade, right? Like you know, as as we're, when we're done blowing, we sort of cross it through, and it crisscrosses like this. And, and if you do that perfectly, then you're you you, you you're able to get steadiness, right? So we have our, let's say this is our, our blowing, right? And we're blowing at 100%. And then when you're done blowing, what do you need to do? Notice this doesn't work. We can't just stop blowing because then our squeezing arm. I actually have another color, which would make this easier. How about green? No, I like green. Uh, no one was ex- yeah. as excited as me about. But then, like, and then our squeezing arm, right, not doing much. And then you see how we can't just stop blowing because then we would have to just go from zero to hundred percent squeeze. Right? Without bouncing over. Perfectly <laughs> without any disturbance in the airflow. Is that possible? Yeah. I don't think it's physically possible to do that. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. Right? So that's not really how it works. So instead, we get like a little graph like this. Here's our graph. Right? This is, this is 100. This is the sweet spot. Pressure, 100. And this is 0. Good? Everybody okay. kn- knows their graphs? Yeah? So then like, so we're blowing at about 100%. Then when we start to run out of air, it's actually, we, we need to ease off the blowing. And eventually we end up down at zero. Something like this. See how we have to ease off? You can't just stop blowing. It's a little bit of an ease off process. And then here's the, and then when and then when we're ready to blow again, we have, we, have, we breathed in, we have more air. Um, then you, then you bring it back up to 100. Good? Yeah. And then the same thing needs to happen with the squeeze, except here's the kicker. The squeeze never goes down to zero. If it goes down to zero, uh, then you're going to have to, at some point, <coughs> initiate your arm again, which is going to cause a disturbance. I feel
2: like the blowing line, then, conceptually, shouldn't be it. That's like the total line, maybe, total pressure line.
0: Are you getting all math on me? Yeah, Yeah, so so that's what I'm saying. Like the blowing line, (laughs)
2: the the percentage of pressure that's actually created by the blowing, I don't know, is what, max 50%? When you're actually blowing on the bag tops, like the pressure that's actually being generated by just your diaphragm. Yeah,
0: I think you might be right. Max
2: 50 is maxing out. Yeah, change 50%. that 100 to. 50. Everybody see what he's saying? And so yes. your so your squeezing is going usually from 50 to 100. Let's it's call it 70. Points in time, your squeezing is is comprising all of the pressure that your bag up is producing. Good. Let's
0: call it 70, uh, but just for kicks, because I, I I don't feel like it's only 50 for me, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah. this is a 70 line. And then look. And then the arm never goes below the 30 line. Notice 0 would be nothing. So your arm is always doing something, mm-hmm. right? And then when the when you start to run out of air and then you ease that off, uh, the arm actually does go up to 100, Right. right? So the arm would actually start to fade all the way up to the 100 line.
3: But that doesn't mean that the arm is doing more. It just means that No, the, the arm is the, definitely the, doing more. the total I think the, arm I think the, the thing that you, you need to start. master is
2: is making sure that that change is is minimal. minimal. And gradual. Gradual. And you can't there's only so much graduation you can do to your blowing process, right? Because at a certain point you are either blowing or not blowing. And there's very little that you can do to like blow gently into your back. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's a there is a, a range there. But for the most part, you can get a lot more control with your arm than you can with your your breath. So if make if you make that change minimal, then there's less room for a drastic change in pressure. But what okay, you're really so, saying
1: is you're managing the
2: yeah. variance right.
1: uh, of the air in the reservoir
0: Correct. in such a way that you're not allowing strong fluctuations That's right. to happen. Your arm, your arm is like a moderator valve or something, or a moderator, uh, it's a moderating thing, and it's always in an action, and your blowing is only to support that moderator, the moderator. But see, so this is the finished, this is a completed graph. Notice at all times the pressure inside the bag is 100, but here's what's really going on, right? We're blowing at 70, squeezing 30. Then, when we need more air, the air goes down to zero, so the arm has to go all <coughs> the way up to 100.
3: So the goal is that, at like, any all slice this of time, green. that's your squeezing, and the, this, these sections. Shaded in black would be your blood. You know so yeah. the, the, the sum of green and black should always be a hundred. Exactly, well, it must be uh, at any slice of tea.
0: Right, and if there's any point at which that drops, right? So if this is yeah. out of if this is out of sync, you're going to have a pressure drop, right? Like, th- and then this right here, by the way, new color. Uh, th- these are your physically speaking, right? This is your transition. That's your transition period. So if if the if the crossfade is out of sync in any way, you will have a pressure variance. Got it? Um, and then here's yeah. your other transition. Right? Those are your transitions. Just to make this easier to understand. <laughs> These are your transitions. Uh, and this is you on your this is you when you're squeezing only. And then this is where when you're blowing only. Which you're never blowing, only. So good. Now does everyone sort of understand that? Yeah. So let's watch again, shall we? I like to think that's essentially exactly what I'm doing when I'm playing, right? And I think there's actually the probably
2: if you get really down and granular about it, there's some amount of pressure being created by the actual
3: bag itself. Elasticity of the bag, yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, well, would that suggest that a very, very elastic bag would be your friend or be your enemy? I would say your enemy. That's why you want some amount of.
2: That's why you want some amount of. Tip. Like, if the bag, that's why it's full, right? When you're done blowing, it's because it's gonna naturally squeeze a little because it's so rigid. Right? It's gonna create a little of the pressure itself. That probably helps a little bit of the moderation, right? But like you still have to master what amount of that you need to do with your own. But making that. The, the bag's ability to
3: um, return to sort of a resting state. I mean, yeah, just I don't know. that's a nice question for Eric Willett in material science, <coughs> uh, that
0: I'm not... Think about when Vortex bags first came out. People were trying to make that, you know, switch from a leather bag to a Vortex bag. And the leather was much more stiffer, right? And it didn't have as much flexibility. And then the Gore-Tex all of a sudden was holy macro. This thing is like so sensitive. I got to really, really watch what yeah. I'm doing, right? Yeah. So I would think that something that is more, has I don't more know. Or less less what kind of it? At, awesome, at the end of the day more difficult. At the end of the day, right? And for at the end of the day, we got to get the water to match the line.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so uh, based on what we now know, just watch again. I don't know. If it might be helpful. Ah. Hopefully, I can still do it. Uh-huh. <music> And if anything, for me, the only real movement in the water is just lack of muscle control. It's not actually the coordination between the two. So I don't worry about it too much, other than to say, I've got to get, get stronger, I guess, but. Well, also, if
2: anyone ever kept the water perfectly steady, I'd be terrified of
0: them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm pretty, pretty close. No. Uh, so, uh, so that's the Everybody got the idea? Mm-hmm. Just one note on whether or
2: not your bags last. I don't think the bag is the, the different bag isn't going to make enough of a difference. So really, just mastering the skills of the, okay. the change between blowing and squeezing is your biggest, is yeah, the biggest thing to master. So there may be some marginal difference between bags, yes, and one may have, but
3: ultimately, somebody who's good at blowing is will the, be able to blow steadily. on. Right. They're going quick, to quickly understand right. the, the right. difference in the right. in the. You'd be surprised how
0: you'd be surprised how efficient a perfectly efficient backpack feels. Andrew,
1: somebody had mentioned to me that um, at some point that the bag bag should be about ninety percent full all the time, or yeah, well, not less than ninety percent. I don't, I don't know. No, it's it's, okay.
0: it's as simple as this. I don't know what percentage it is, but okay. it's it's as simple as whatever pressure is required to perfectly hit okay. the Chanter Reed sweet spot. That might be 90%, it might be 80%, it might be 20% if, if your bag is really leaky. No, I don't know. Uh, okay. okay well that's not
1: the point. So the point is
0: that... The point, uh, we'll, the uh, we'll, point we'll, is, we'll, is the we'll sweet spot. So you're doing you're doing the classic thing, which is you're running out of air, right? And then and then you then switch you then you it. switch to the squeeze and you're gasping for air really fast, and but you're only grabbing 10% of air. Yeah. So reach in, and, and I don't recommend 100% either. That's like painful. But grab air when you breathe. To the line, but you actually did a fairly okay job of keeping the water somewhat stable. With that said, though, you're very uncomfortable in the process. Yeah. It, it should be a totally natural thing. Your blowing cycle should be should be fairly well balanced, right? You don't want to be a that you're ninety 90-10, right. Well, you're ninety five five right now. You're blowing ninety five percent of the time, and then you're only squeezing because you're out of air. Hmm. And that can't be how it is, right? You have to be squeezing in order to allow yourself to breathe naturally. Obviously with more force than usual. But let me, let me uh, demonstrate one more time. Just watch the overall timing of the blowing cycle now, right? My ratio of time spent blowing versus squeezing. Uh, see how long and comfortable that cycle is. Granted, I'm very strong, very experienced, so it makes sense that it's not as easy for you. But that's the goal. Nice, natural blowing cycle. All right, who else wants to give us a try? And we need to do this on our own pipes as well. I just, I think it's just better for demonstration purposes. This is much quicker because I want to get. I think. As much as I said you should never do that, we need to get to tuning. That's why we're here. super fun video Uh, game. Can you hear your arm is kind of, you're you're making like tons of like little quivery movements to try to get the arm right. Can you hear when he's doing it? It causes like a weird uh, vibrato kind of effect. You can hear it, right? So anyway.
3: I I keep trying to adjust to the yeah, and I see that he's going to be trickier. than.
0: Give it another whirl. Give it another whirl. We'll keep doing it. Yeah, and you you can see my bass cuts off. Like, uh, so my bass probably needs to be opened up and split hair there, but
3: but yeah. I I definitely wanna play with this more. (laughs) It's very cool. It's a great thing,
0: and and, uh, I think for tomorrow, you know, I think we'll dig in a lot more deeply into this. Um, We're gonna find, when we start to tune, we're gonna find that there are certain very massive roadblocks that aren't about tuning. It's about somewhere in five, six, and seven, right? Who else wants to give it a go? I can do it. Yeah. Oh God! What's my wife doing? Getting pictures from home. She's shopping. Uh, So you're squeezing. You did well, and then when you started to blow again, so when you so with, <clears throat> when you started to blow again, so this part, <clears throat> what you what you're doing, which is causing the problem, is as you start to blow again, you're lifting your arm off the bed. I was, huh? Okay. Yeah, and as soon as you lift your arm, <clears throat> what happens to the pressure? Drops You drop the magazine, and that's what we're seeing, right? Comes out. That's, we need to end of analogy. <laughs> <laughs> End of gun analogy. No one's gonna come up. Okay, so don't let your arm. work, right? A lot of work. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, and you can hear it too. Mm-hmm. You can hear the pressure changing. Uh, that's how most of us learn to blow steady is over time, we're, we're like you know, but, but it takes a long time. Manometer is a great illustrator tool.
1: I know it should pull your, dr- your re- uh, drone read
0: out. Do you have to do that? I uh, highly recommend it. if you don't, that drone read obviously restricts the airflow, because it's a tiny space for the air to pass through. So you get moderated results. The manometer is less honest when you have a drone read in. It still works, but it makes you look better than you are. And the same with the drone, yeah. the drone uh, enhancers. That's what they do. They they drastically restrict the airflow things and are crush like, the tone of your instrument. But
2: started on this.
0: And like Should they're the worst it. things ever. And um, and but the reason people use them is because it makes them look better, look and sound ish better than they are. You know what I mean? Well,
3: well it certainly makes a band. It makes it <laughs> <laughs> easier to <laughs> strike in. Yeah, it was too hard. Yeah. It was a heck of a lot easier to strike in. Yeah. I, I just Is removed the that line, right? line like of weeks right? ago. Take yeah. them out. And
0: my pipes strike in. I don't use them. My pipes strike in perfectly every time. Well, you know. not so much these because they don't have to, but my band pipes.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm talking about the little satanic <laughs> things.
2: It's not like I have a special skill. The ones that you
0: <laughs> uh, we sell them, yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna give us your money, we'll take it. I'm glad you told me to take it.
2: On.
4: Yeah.
0: Good. Uh, who's next? Ken, give it a whirl there, bud. Size of the bag, does. does that so feel comfortable? Hands comfortable hands
3: to you? Not really. I'm just wondering if my bag would have been a little different, but not.
0: Yeah, I got a medium. But no. Yeah, like, and, it might, and if fits you better, you'll definitely have an easier time blowing well for sure. And we used them in my "Oh yeah, those change. things. Yeah, that's the if, right. you, if you throw those in a campfire, they make beautiful colors." Because the, yeah, the setup so, is so yeah, like uh, easy. And yeah. It, make, it does make it harder had, to control that. It then. came with the bag. I no actually hard thought we were just to idea. control moisture. moisture. And we lost Dillard. Uh, they, they <laughs> Dillard, Dillard. We lost Diller. Anyway. Yeah, I was lucky enough to buy a, a you know a set ready to go stuff. So. Oh, okay. Here, uh so, turnkey so, operation. Let's talk let's talk more seriously about the satanic uh firewood things. <laughs> um, so, tone enhancers are popular because they're things that you stick in the bottom of your drum, okay? And and there's and here's an example. There are different kinds, um, but then it's a restrictor valve. So the air hits this thing. whatever, moisture, whatever beads. Like yeah, moisture, moisture beads, whatever little yeah, so there's moisture, yeah, it's moisture and.
3: <clears throat> you open it up, you'll spill them all over the floor. It's a restrictor valve, so
0: the air hits this thing, it gets restricted, uh, and so and then what comes out the other side is way less air than the um, uh, than what's in the reservoir. What comes through is way less air. By the way, my moisture control system does the same thing, um, but it has a lot more of the moisture control beads in it. So
2: that's got a valve
0: in it too. Uh, it, it, I, I took it out. But it does, but but it also restricts air, obviously, right? It has to pass through Something, a million million Some of medium, yeah. And if you blow through it, you can feel it restricts. This restricts a lot more. This is designed specifically for that purpose. So what comes through is way less air. What happens when I play my practice chanter? When I play my practice chanter, what happens when I blow way less air through
3: it? Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Do you think a draw read is any different? It's a little different in that it might not be as glaringly obvious, but they it's the same thing. calibrating place. it differently then. Oh, no, no, for it sure. It's Mine are big time like, you know, uh, it ends up calibrating differently. You get way less air. Less air generally means less response, less harmonics. Even if to the inexperienced ear, you can't tell the difference, it doesn't mean it's not killing the harmonics. Uh, which it definitely right. is, and then there's the amateur issue, right? Which is that um, with with your tone restrictor, right? The bagpipe is designed in a very specific way over many thousands of years, basically, certainly many hundreds of years, right? Which is this thing goes in the stock, the reed is in the stock, the stock is a certain distance from the reed, and the stock itself is connected to a giant reservoir of air. Anybody ever played a brass instrument before? Like a trumpet? Or even poorly. Does the shape of your mouth and the, you know... It's essential. That's where
3: the word comes from. Right. That's where
0: amateur comes from. But the shape of your mouth plays a huge role in the tonal quality and the response of the instrument. Bagpipes are the same way. So as soon as you put one of these, or one of these, or a hose, or whatever, into the base of your drone, you're instantly crushing tonal response and potential. Which, if you stink and you're not any good at bagpipes, uh, you won't be able to tell the difference. But our goal is to become good and proficient and to be able to tune ourselves really well. <coughs>
3: the goal of these in my band is that we're an open band and will take you from you know not knowing what end to blow in. That's right. Um, and it makes strike ins and cutoffs better.
0: That's right. It's a shortcut though. And oh, absolutely. It's a shortcut and... How much longer is it going to take you to just strike in your pipes when this is always there, giving you that crutch? <coughs> right.
3: Uh, that's, maybe. That, never. That's why they're in a baggie. Good. Not in a, Let's put that not in back. Bag.
0: <laughs> and I highly like, recommend if you do go to like a burn barrel party or anything uh, anytime soon, like you should see how that stuff lights up. Now, <coughs> there are exceptions to every rule. I use these stupid things that I hate. Because they crush the tone of the instrument, right? I hate them.
2: That's why you use them. Because
0: they. I hate them. I hate them because they crush the tone of the instrument. I use them because they keep the reeds dry.
3: Yeah.
0: They keep the drone reeds dry. They also have a negative effect on the chanter reed, I think, as well. Um, We can talk about that some other time. But in theory, these are all in here, which I can't open up because I taped it up. But there's desiccant beads, in, silicone beads, in here yeah. that uh, that make it so when the air comes through, uh, the con- any condensation or whatever uh, gets absorbed by those desiccant beads, and what comes out the other end is dry. So my drum rates never get wet, um, and what that allows me to do is that allows me to play Pebrock. you know, tunes that could last, you know, twelve to fifteen to twenty minutes long, and I can hopefully keep my drones absolutely 1000% perfectly in tune that whole time. But the only reason I do that is because, you know, at my, at our level of play, if if the drones even come out half a percent.
3: Someone's from, gonna notice it. The
0: judge will notice yes. it, write it down, and you could go from winning to not even being in the list. Yeah. And that's how much a slight difference in the drones could make, right? In a band, even a very, 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 even our band, you know, um, if the drones go slightly out of tune 1%, doesn't matter. It's still going to sound great. Because, you know, there's so many people playing and, um, and the quality of the pipes will be really good. And so, you know, we're willing to sacrifice that absolute perfection of tuning in order to get that great tonal quality that you want in a band, right? And it's going to be fine. Solos go the other way. High-level soloists are willing to sacrifice some of the brilliance of tone in exchange for a guaranteed stability of tuning. Does that make sense? Yeah. But this is an advanced tool. That's that's my thesis and my my main point. Okay. okay.
2: You will get great tone and good tuning in soloists.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I get a very. If you listen to the, you know, like the Kansas City Silver Medal, which I won in January, like that tone is very good. But it still would be better if I didn't have this crap in there. Mm. It would be a little sweeter. But you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm willing to I'm willing to sacrifice that little tiny bit of extra sweetness to guarantee my drone stay in tune. Uh, at that level. Um, you know, but in the band that wouldn't be the case. Because that little extra bit of sweetness right. multiplied across twenty pipers, uh, that that could be all the difference. That that is why Field Marshall is so incredibly um, pristine and definitively better than other bands. It's because they're getting that final few percentage across mm-hmm. everybody because they play ultra simple setup. So you, you, you take that out band setting? I don't play these pipes in any band. Right. But I, have my, set, I have a different set with you, sheep and cane and and, nothing. and just a simple tube water trap.
2: Oh, okay. So you have something in you.
0: Sometimes, yeah. In the winter, I take the tube out. Uh, but but that's what I would. But I don't play my band pipes that much in the winter at this point because.
3: So say more about a tube, because if you've got like you know these things are roughly you know, garden hose size. Yeah. That's not really much of a restriction.
0: Right. Though you're talking about the simple tube. Yeah. That comes from the blowpipe. Yeah. Just into the bag. Yeah. So, that does not have negative, any negative impacts that I can calculate on any of the reads. It's just. Uh, it, it, is a, it
2: is, I mean, myself, slight I can a Slight restriction. Yeah. Like, I definitely need to blow a little bit more. I need to get the pressure up a little bit more with the water trap to get my pipe to sound just as Okay, good so right. a, if you do and the A, B. It's a very subtle yeah, change, too. but as far as like. It's nowhere near as restrictive as anything, and and it doesn't. Uh, it really just keep, it just gives you one extra layer uh, of a, a couple extra minutes before your reeds are soaking wet. It, it just lets the water collect on some other surface beside the reed, but you're still going to get plenty of moisture in that system. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The water trap in there. Yeah, I
0: yeah I, um, some people here have moose valves. I've never tried one, but okay. I have a strong hunch that at least at a, at, uh, at least at certain points Richard Parks uses a moose. Like I've seen him dump dump it out like in a way that's clearly not a tube. I'm just speculating. No one don't nobody call Richard and say, Andrew said you play a moose belt. Uh, but like what uh, does he do? he just like he just takes his blowpipe out and he just like tips the the stock it over? Yeah. It's, like just it just like, it's just like, like
3: my back belt. Yep. Right, whereas, whereas if you
0: had a water trap you wouldn't be able to just twist it like that. What's the moose valve?
2: Uh, gotcha. It's a little
0: tiny piece that goes inside. I'm playing both. You system see right in there. Just and it collects. Relax. That's supposed to be it the same thing. tighten all it in It's supposed to... Well, It definitely collects some water. And you know, then you just dump it out. Cause the water is all cupped in the cup right there. Oh, okay. Uh, point being... The, the point being, like, moisture... It restricts a lot more than just the tube. I used to have a tube before I went to Does it? More restrictive? Yeah. But, uh, perhaps... Perhaps you get a more natural overall airflow and stuff inside the bag. Maybe like that's an advanced idea, but um, not something normal people should lose sleep over. But you know, I've often felt that like certainly takes longer for the high hand to settle in when you have a tube trap. in. I find
2: yep. anyway. I digress. Um, I like to take it out, play, soak, put it in before I start playing again, so that the. the Get more of the moisture in to start and then I've been thinking it it keeps it from getting too wild later on, too wet later on. Yeah,
0: indeed. So like yeah. Um that would be the best band setup. If I if I ran a band at any level, right? It would be simple Ganaway bag, simple tube trap. Like easy drum reads. Go! Learn bad pipes. You wouldn't do the full sheep cane? No. I would not. I would not. Um, I might introduce like a cane drone read or two for like some of the go-getters, like gradually maybe, I don't know, but uh, but really like cane drone reads are interesting because most people don't have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11, 12, 13, most people don't have that. And I feel like you really have to have all of the like all the pieces before cane is really going to be a truly reliable option for you. An advantage. Yeah, an advantage. That's right. Um, I, I feel that way. That's my opinion. What's the advantage of cane? Uh, tonal quality. More, and stability. More stability with, mo- with a moist system. That's right. Tonal quality and stability. So, when synthetic reeds are very stable when they're dry. Ultra stable. So, um, and, and that makes them really useful tools, but they don't sound as good as cane. Cane drone reads sound amazingly sweet. As a matter of fact, you know, at some point, uh, you have your cane, in, right? Mm-hmm. No, nope. I have mine, in. I'll give you a taste of it at some point. Um, at some point this weekend. Uh, the problem is, that, you know, it takes a little time to like get warmed up and settled in. But I'll show you. Mm-hmm. You might. You should definitely be able to hear the difference. Uh, but the cool thing about cane, which we'll talk about more. Right after lunch. The cool thing about cane is uh, once it gets a little bit of moisture in it and you get your bagpipe stabilized and acclimatized, cane, if it's set up properly, will not move. Even with a little bit of moisture in the system, it stays perfectly locked in too, if you do it right, which is hard. It's that like a.
2: way more finicky than. That's, setting so, that's up a cane. That's the only thing. <laughs> but once you do it and you know how to do it and you get it right. Okay. It takes a, playing a moist system, there's no, there's no better... Even if problem. you
0: know what you're doing with cane drone reads, it takes a lot of work to get it right. right. But if you get it right, the reward is very and Sometimes cool. it feels
2: like you just magically happened upon doing the right thing. <laughs> like as much as you can strategize about what you're supposed to do, you end up just tinkering a ton and then eventually... That's the challenge, challenge with everything, buy. right?
0: That's a challenge with tuning, not just cane drone reads, it's a challenge with everything having to do with your bagpipe. Is And I know we've... T- <laughs> I'm contradicting myself by saying this, but the more you talk, like you could talk about it all day, but then we have to do. We have to get in there and try it and fail at it a whole bunch of times until you figure out what works for you. Everybody feeling good on this? I think tomorrow we'll work more on five, six and seven. I think we should break now and after lunch, come back and we'll start to do the mechanics of tuning, good?